Brother Jay, and I knew tonight was going to be one of his last Sunday nights, so I put that song up there on purpose. So he was doing How Great Is Our God to try and teach me how to do it, and so I still got some work on that one. But tonight's going to be interesting. It's been almost two years since I have forgotten my iPad. I don't have my iPad tonight. I'm was, I wasn't going to tell everyone that. That's okay. I walked to church tonight, and my iPad was left at home. So thank God for a computer. I printed out my notes. Only one problem. I get distracted easily from all of you because you distract me very easily. And I don't know what it is. So I always highlight my notes so I have a spot to see someone's going to sneeze. And then we think COVID's going around the room. or some, No, I'm kidding. But, um, but I always highlight my notes so I can catch myself and get back to my spot. See, there goes Joe out of the room. There, the distractions have already begun. And so I don't have anything highlighted, so it's going to be interesting tonight. The reason I got, well, I just printed that out a second ago. So the reason I got my iPad was one Sunday night, about two years ago, I forgot my notes at home. And I said, I'll have an iPad. Because I tried an iPad before. The iPad was great, but I forgot to set it so it wouldn't lock after a minute. And I am one of those guys that can't walk and chew gum at the same time, so I'm preaching away, and I'm hitting my password wrong. I'm like, I still got this. I'm still talking. I should have just stopped everything and just entered the password. It would have been fine. It locked me out for three minutes, and so I didn't know what was going on, and so I told myself I was done with the iPad. Then I went to regular notes. Then when I forgot, I was done with that, and the iPad's been working great. Tonight, we're going back to the good old trusty paper. Paper works fine, and we'll see how well it works tonight, and so... We started a series a while back on the book of Romans. We're in chapter number two, and what a title, God's Judgment on the, of the Hypocrite. And we looked last, or two weeks ago, we started in, and we saw the fact that man has rejected God. And when man rejected God, God says, okay, you don't want me, you don't have to have me. And when that takes place, we see how God eventually, we see all the wickedness in our society, all the things that take place. And we see all this stuff come before our eyes, and we see why it happens, because God says, I've given you a little bit of, I've given every person that's ever been born in this world a little bit of light. Not only that, I give you all the creation to know that there's a God. Now, you don't know all the details of everything, but I give you enough to know that there's a God, and yet people, even knowing that, refuse to call God God and want nothing to do with him. God's like, you don't want nothing to do with me, I'll step back and look at the mess everything creates. We look at our world today, and we read the end of chapter number one, and you see how chapter one really shows where America's at today. But when you look at God and you say, God, we don't want you, God says, okay. But Paul's whole goal, we were back in verse number 16 of chapter number one here, and he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to preach to you the gospel. So he goes from that point till chapter three, most of chapter three, and basically he lets us know that no one's excluded from the fact that we're all, we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. That's the sum of it we'll find in chapter number 3. So Paul starts out and talks about those who, have, who outwardly display their wickedness. And there are people that say, yeah, they're so wicked. But now God says, I not only will judge them, but I'll judge those who morally on the outside look good. But I know their heart. And really what judgment comes down to, it's the choice you make with Jesus Christ. That's literally what it comes down to. What have you done, what have you decided with Jesus Christ? That's what it's all going to come down to. 
Someday when this world ends and we stand before God, that's literally what it comes down to. What did you do with Jesus? And so tonight we're seeing, last or two weeks ago, we saw the fact that those are some, some of these things, all this, the list from verse number 29 through the end of the chapter, and we talk about homosexual. There's a lot of things mentioned there. You say, well, yeah, you see all that wickedness, those people deserve God's judgment. Well, God says this, hold on. Those of you who maybe wouldn't do some of those crazy things, and maybe you're a morally good person, if your inside is not right and you're not saved, it doesn't matter. And so this is regarding someone who might look good on the outside and be like, look at how awful those people are, but the problem is you're not looking at yourself and how wicked you truly are as well. So we see God's judgment on the hypocrite. We read verse number one, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest dost the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearing and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but sometimes those that don't know the Lord, life is going good, and they think, why do I need God? Because everything's good. I'm good. But God sometimes allows the good things to try and get a hold of somebody, and they totally miss that, and that's what it's talking about right here. Verse number um, 5, But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, eternal life, but unto they that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meaning while accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have tonight, and I thank you for you loving us, and I thank you for what you do and how you work in our lives. I've mentioned to you all week long, and I've mentioned to you almost every time I've opened the book of Romans, there's a lot of deep stuff right here. It takes a lot of work for me to be able to take something deep that's here and to be able to relay it in an understandable way. But I know you can do that tonight, and I need you to do that because, as I mentioned, there's some deep stuff right here. Work in our lives and in our hearts and help us get tonight What's in these verses, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.
The Apostle Paul, going back to the end of chapter number one, what he does here is he's laying out the judgment of God and how it's coming. And if anyone doesn't have a copy of the notes, they're in the back or in the side there if you need to get those so you have a copy. I forgot to ask. Pass those out. Anybody need a copy of them? Anybody need a copy of the notes? Anybody? All right, I think we're good. All right, I think we're good. And if you're not good, just deal with it. It'll be all good. No problem there. Your notes are going to be as good as my notes tonight, and so that's good. I could give you my, anybody want my notes? You can have my notes tonight. And uh, I just copied them off the internet, so it works out great. You can find a sermon for everything. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. So some of you are like, did you really just copy it off the internet? If I did, I wasn't going to tell you anyways, but no, I didn't. But we look at these verses, and when we look at them this evening, we see about the character of God's judgment. And tonight I want to give you three reasons or three truths revealed in this passage that will teach us about the judgment of God in the life of the hypocrite. Number one, we see the reason for God's judgment. The reason for God's judgment. That's found in verse 1 through 5. We'll read those verses here in a minute as we go through A, B, C, and D, or A, B, and C, I believe it is. But the reason for God's judgment, what's the reason for God's judgment on the hypocrite? Well, letter A It's because of the sinfulness of the hypocrite. We look at verse number 1. The Bible says here in chapter 2, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest dost the same things. And what we see is we understand that God's wrath is going to be on those who openly defy God, right? Right? But then there are those who might have some morally good traits to them. But unless the heart is right, they're just as bad as someone who openly sins before God. It's the same thing. But we see it differently. When we think of a hypocrite, that's someone who merely plays a part. They pretend to be something when they're not. And the Bible tells us in this verse that God will not hold this person guiltless. And we see the sinfulness of the hypocrite. And why? Because, number one, because of his condemnation. One of the reasons God judges the hypocrite is because the hypocrite judges others. That's how it works. And what happens is the hypocrite assumes the position of God in judging life and the conduct of others. And it's neither your place nor my place to judge anyone because we got enough problems to deal with with ourselves than to be trying and judge everyone else's problems. That's why the Bible tells us, Matthew chapter 7, judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Verse number 3, and, oh, that got small there on me. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eyes, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull a mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. In verse number five, thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the the mote out of thy brother's eye. And sometimes we get so consumed with, look at what they're doing and how wicked they are. I'm going to help. And it's like, look in the mirror. How can you help someone? I hear people, they'll come to me and they'll be like, Pastor, I'm going to help so-and-so fix their life. You can't even fix your own life. How can you help someone else fix their life if you can't fix your own? I know what they need to do. Well, figure out what you need to do. It's important. We see the because of the condemnation. And when we judge, we're guilty before God. 
not only because of his condemnation, but number two, because of his conduct, the hypocrite is judged. What really takes the cake is that the hypocrite looks at another person and judges them for what they do. But God says the hypocrite's just as guilty judging as the one that they're judging. They may not do the same things outwardly, but inwardly they are identical. That's what we see. That's what's important to see. And because this is what you understand, sin always begins in the heart, on the inside. You have those verses in Matthew 5? No, you don't. You do have. And, uh, yeah, verse yeah, 15, verse 16 through 20. There's a glare right at the top there, so that was messing me up. And uh, there's no bald heads even in the room tonight to worry about that. And Jesus said, are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into a draught, verse number 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Now, when you look at those verses, remember how the end of chapter number 1? goes through the list of all these things that God gives them over to. Where does all that come from? Within. And what God is saying through Paul in this passage is, just because maybe on the outs, maybe you're a moral, you call yourself, to an unsaved person, you say, well, I'm morally good. I don't do those things. You do those things, because they all come from within. If the heart's not right, then that's the problem. Every evil thing comes from within the heart. And don't forget that, and that's important for us to see. And let's beware, and you know, as a Christian too, let's make sure that we don't ever have a hypocritical spirit. Because see, I see that a lot in Christianity. We look at others and say, oh, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for them. You know, I'll give you an example. I, don't, I was going to be good and not go down these, and, but Caroline didn't let me have my iPad, so it, it said, Brian, be good right here, but, <laughs> and I don't have it in front of me, so the Holy Spirit's not leading me to be good at this moment. <laughs> but let's be honest, there were a lot of Christians who several months ago were up in arms about all the rioting and looting that took place in May and June. And then you see, a few days ago, not a word said about going into the Capitol. That's hypocritical. Let's go the other way. Let's be the news and those on the left side of things. They said nothing about several months ago. And then this last week, it's the end of the world. It's hypocritical. Let's be careful in the things that we do. Let's not be hypocrites in the things that we do. And uh, that was just a little plug for you. And if you don't like that, it's okay. You're not preaching. You can just deal with it. Number um, letter B, we see the sentence of the hypocrite. And if you don't like that, you can just blame Caroline tonight because she didn't bring my iPad. <laughs> Literally, the iPad said, I put in there, be good, Brian. I put that in there on purpose. And so, but the spirit was, the spirit led in a different way. Thank you, babe. I appreciate that. We see letter B, the sentence of the hypocrite. What's their sentence? Look at verse 2 and 3. It says, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. 
And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and dost the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Just as the wicked will be judged by God, so too will the hypocrite. And in fact, the judgment they'll face will be exactly the same. Because judgment, when you don't have the Lord in your life and you're not a saved child of God, it's the same judgment. Now, we could read the book of Revelation. I do believe that there are different levels to to what they get in hell, but it's still hell. It doesn't change that because it says they're going to be rewarded according to their works. I think that someone's hell could be a little worse than someone else's if you look at that and study that out. But at the end of the day, hell is still hell, however you look at it. And that's the sentence. And when we think about this, we think about the purity of the judge. The purity of the judge, number one. And Paul's telling us that God's judgment of the hypocrite will be based upon the truth of what they are. That's how he judges. God is a righteous judge. He does things correctly. And you must never forget something. Man always judges on the outside, but as it says about David, when David was going to be king, God sees the heart. God knows the heart. God sees the heart. I was teaching the, um, the teenagers on Wednesday. We, um, we started a little Bible thing with them for the new year. We're going through the book of Job and through Psalm and through Proverbs. And something that just stuck out to me that was a blessing for me, might not be a blessing for you, but it was a blessing for me, was the fact I love how God told Satan, hey, have you seen Job? He's a good guy. He's a good guy. One that does right no matter. And, and what does Satan say? If you let me do some things to him, if you take away your blessings on him, then he'll turn on you. But do you know something? Satan didn't know his heart. God did. God knew the type of man that Job was. That's why God could say the things that he did. Satan did not know the heart of Job. Isn't that, that's, I think that's a, that's a blessing to me. Sometimes as a believer in things, you know, I hear people, Satan got in my head. He can't get in your head as a believer, okay? Don't ever forget that. He can't. And Satan didn't know the heart of Job. God did. And God knew how Job was. And anyways, that's a little thought I had. That didn't help you. That's fine. Anyways, that's, that's all good. We see number two, not only the purity of the judge, but we see the power of the evidence. You ever look at a case and it's a slam shut? There's no... There's no, there's going to be no way out of this one. That's kind of what you see here. The power of the evidence lies in the fact that it will surely condemn those who are guilty of judging others of their sins because they're guilty of the same things. The bottom line of all this is the fact that it isn't the state of one's life that is the issue. It's the state of the heart. And a heart without Christ will be judged that's what we see here that's the evidence it's obvious there's either christ or there's no christ judgment and that's why the bible says there is no condemnation to them that are in christ jesus now i know as christian you're like i'm not going to get judged you are going to give an account to god for the things that you do with what god's given to you so i would do my very best for the lord and everything that i do praise god you're not going to the great white throne judgment if you're saved but you are going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. And so we see the power of the evidence. Then let her see, we see the shame of the hypocrite. The shame of the hypocrite. We see that in verse number four and five. It says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? 
But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And what these two verses show us, it really shows us the reality of the hypocrite's sinful nature. There are three things, three facts revealed just in these couple verses. And I could probably spend a whole sermon just on verse 4 and 5, but we're not going to do that and we're going to keep going on. But you see a couple things. The first thing you see, number one, is this, that he delights in the blessing of God. And you see, or despiseth thou the riches and the goodness and the forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The word here indicates that the hypocrite enjoys a good life. And God withholds his judgment. And the hypocrite thinks that the goodness of God is an indication that everything is great. No, it's God's long-suffering. It's God's patience. It's God trying to work to get them to come to him. But they don't see that there. And you think about this, the hypocrite feels that if I was really living a bad life, then it would show by how God judges me in my life. And since everything is okay, everything is good. But it leads to number two, which is he despises the blessing of God. See that in the middle of verse, in the end of verse number four, because the, because the hypocrite misunderstands the blessing of God, he refuses to repent and turn to God. It, in fact, is the very goodness, you think about this, the very goodness of God should lead men to love God. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. That's how it should be. God's blessing in our life should lead us to him. But those without him and those that have the hypocritical spirit, as we see here, what you see is that what the hypocrite does is he sees God's goodness as a stamp of approval for his conduct and his life. And you've got to understand something. Thank God that he's long-suffering. Thank God that he gives us chances. But those chances are going to run out. And we could go to 1 Peter and we could see some verses there and how the Bible talks about how, and uh, chapter 3, 2 Peter there, chapter 3, verse number 9, that the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. The verses before that say, there are people are saying, where's the Lord at? He hasn't come yet. There are you that preach that he's coming. When's he coming? And we see this verse, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. He is coming again. As some men count slackness, but this is why the Lord hasn't come yet. Are you ready? He's long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he hasn't come yet. Sometimes you look, Lord, just come now. But the reason he hasn't come yet is because he's waiting for someone else to turn to him. What if it was your child? And be glad that he's waiting. What if it's your grandma? What if it's someone related to you? Thank God for his long-suffering. Thank God that he's not willing that any should perish. But sometimes people take his long-suffering and his goodness and his blessings, and they take it in the wrong light. And then you also have Christians who say, well, look, I live a life for God, and look, they're not living a life for God. Don't worry about them. I think Asaph took care of that. I think Psalm 73 talks a lot about that. You can spend some time there and look at that. And then we see... Um, number three, he's damned by the blessings of God. We see in verse number five, sounds like the kids are having fun outside tonight. 
But after thy hardness and impotent heart, treasure us up for thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And this verse tells us that instead of the hypocrite gaining favor with God, he's actually storing up wrath and judgment against himself. You see, when the Lord's graciousness and long-suffering are taken for granted, the only other option will be that of judgment. Just as a wicked sinner will face the judgment of God, so too shall the secret sinner. All sin will be revealed and judged by God. Hell will be just as full of, of hypocrites as it is of sinners. Because if your heart's not right with God, judgment is coming. We see the reasons for God's judgment, which leads us to number two, the realities of God's judgment. The realities of God's judgment. We see this in verse 6 through verse number 11. What are the realities of it? First thing is this, it's personal. The reality of judgment is a, it's a personal thing. Look at verse number 6. It says, who will render to every man according to his deeds. God's judgment in the life of a person is an individual matter. People will be judged on their own merits and the things that they do. You will not pay for the sins of someone else, nor will another man be judged for your sins. God's judgment will be fair to the individual. What the hypocrite likes to do is they like to lump everyone together and condemn all by judging all of it based on their own biased standard. But God, on the other hand, knows the heart, and God, God judges individually. But we see, first of all, it's a personal thing, the realities of God's judgment. It's personal. It's also, letter B, it's proper. So what do you mean by proper? Look at verse number 7. To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doth evil of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And these verses tell us that the person who lives right and seeks the Lord will enjoy the blessings of the Lord. While the person who lives for themselves will have the proper judgment in that day. I think that psalm I mentioned a few minutes ago, that's where Asa, I, remember, I remember their end. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, he says, look, I'm, I'm trying to live right, and look at how well their life is. They're evil and wicked, and everything's going great for them, and my life's miserable. And I remember he went to the house of the Lord. He went to the sanctuary it talks about, and he got a proper view of it. Their end is judgment. Don't ever forget that. And then when we think about the fact that it's proper, you think about this, and as we look at it, and one of the things you've got to remember is the heart, the condition of the heart is what matters. If a heart is not, does not know the Lord, whatever good works there are, they mean nothing. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And the Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. As we look at this here, and as we look at these things, you've got to understand the, what everything hinded, hinges upon is not the good things that men do. It hinges on Christ. 
I think we mentioned Christ a lot this morning, and I think we're mentioning him again tonight. When we think about the realities of God's judgment, it's personal, it's proper, and letter C, it's also perfect. He knows what he's doing, and he's perfect. This is what the Bible says, verse number 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. And what this verse says, no one receives special treatment of God. No one will think that they can get, they can suck up to God and get special treatment. It doesn't work that way. God, does, God is a fair, perfect judge. Everyone will be judged on the same matter. What did you do with my son? That's what judgment is going to be. And we see that here. And you think about this. He doesn't say to some, oh, you can still go to heaven. And you have to go to hell. No, you don't accept Jesus Christ. You go to hell. That's the only option there is. And so we see the reasons for God's judgment. We see the realities. And then lastly tonight, we see the, real, the realization of God's judgment. The realization of God's judgment. We look at verse number 12, and it says, For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. And you see, the realization of God's judgment, it focuses on, letter A, it focuses on rebellion. See that right here in this verse. The basis for God's judgment is the fact of sin. All those, who, you think about this, sin has a cost. Remember what the Lord told Adam? You eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Sin had a price. Remember, Satan, you won't die. God just doesn't want you to have the blessings of eating this fruit. He doesn't want you to be like him. That rebellion against God of eating the fruit that day is why there's God's judgment today and why it's going to come. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel that the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. Romans 3.23, the wages of sin are, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, church, there's only one remedy for sin, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us Revelation 1.5, do you have that verse there? And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see, what, what is sin? It focuses on rebellion against God. That's why judgment. It also focuses on not only rebellion, but a reaction. So what reaction are you talking about? Look at verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness with their thought and their thoughts and the mean, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. And someone might say, it's not fair that you would judge me. How about those people who've never been exposed 
to the word of God. Are they going to be held accountable? And the answer is yes, they will. So that's not fair. Well, God explains in these verses why it's fair. You see, these verses tell us that God has given every man a conscience. Now, something you got to understand. We don't live life like Jiminy Cricket taught all of us, okay? And always let your conscience be your guide. No, 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 no. Your conscience, we think about man, our heart is desperately wicked who can know it, right? But our conscience, think of it like a, like a prodding stick. Your conscience can help prod you to do what's right. But you cannot always listen to your conscience. And when we see this here, the conscience, when we look at this, when a person allows his conscience to be the guide by which he lives his life, you're headed for trouble because of the wickedness inside of us. And, but you got to understand, but when we listen to our conscience at times, it will help us point out right and wrong. Because you got to understand this. I mentioned it before. God has given every person a little bit of light. That's why those who have never heard the word of God might understand it's not okay to kill somebody. The word of God says it. But the little bit of light that God gives every person lets us know that that's probably not a good thing. People know that adultery is wrong. People know that fornication is wrong. It doesn't mean that they don't do it, but everyone knows it's wrong. You know that lying's wrong. We know those things. Why? Because you got to understand something. Even an unsaved person realizes the fact that things are wrong and there's things you shouldn't do because of the light that the Lord gives everyone. We mentioned before, that's in John 1, verse number 9. It lies every man that cometh into this world, the Bible says. Not enough for salvation, but enough to have a little something there to know that there's something more to this thing than just living for self. That's why you could go to the middle of, we could use Africa or India, and everyone has a tendency to worship something. It doesn't have to be our God, they could worship other things. You'll see in some cultures they have multiple gods that they worship. Because everyone knows that there's a God. They might not know the true God, but they have an idea that there's a God. And that's the light that we all have, that little bit of light. What you do with the light that you've been given depends, does that light get brighter in your life, or does that light get darker? We've talked in chapter number one, where God has given us all of creation, he's given us all these things, so we know there's a God. That's why the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart there's no God, because God places it inside of us, and he also has given us all of creation. The creation cries out that there's a God. The word of God cries out there's God. All of it does. And what you do with that depends on if your light gets brighter or if it diminishes. No one is without excuse. No one has an excuse. And we see that in these scriptures before our eyes. And you've got to understand something. You've been given light. What, did you, what have you done with that light? And I, I sincerely believe 100%, no doubt about it, that if someone searches for the light, God will get the light to them, and they will get saved. I have no doubt about it. Because God wouldn't be the type of God he is that the Bible talks about. If, you know, 
Well, what if someone in the middle of nowhere has never heard of him? Would he judge them? Yes. But that's not fair. It's not your job to say what's fair with God because you're not God because he's done everything within his power to give everyone a chance. And I believe that about God. I think the Bible clearly states that in these verses and we see that here. He's given us so much. And when we think about this and when we look at this, man, I would, I would hate to be someone who's around the truth and around a lot of light and never accept the light. To whom much is given, much is required. That works in that sense of things as well. And you think about this, God's judgment is based on man's reaction to the light. We see lastly tonight, let us see, God's judgment, it focuses on a reality. Verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. What's the reality? There's coming a day when God will judge all men. On this day, all the secrets of men will be proclaimed publicly. A day when men will have to face the reality of what their life was. What will this judgment be based on? We see it right here before our eyes. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Man's eternity will rise or fall based on what they do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why the judgment of God? For those who reject the gospel of Jesus. That's what it comes down to. It doesn't matter how wicked of a lifestyle they live or how good they might seem. It all comes down to what's inside. And if they've rejected Christ, the reality is judgment is coming. We see that before us. A person's, a person's eternal destiny depends on what they do with Jesus. These are heavy verses. Two weeks ago, they're heavy verses. A lot of people just need Jesus. I think we talked about it enough this morning as we continued going further. Uh, the only thing bad about having paper for your notes, you guys kind of know when I'm done because I grab my papers and some on the side. My iPad, you don't know when I'm done. So you're thinking, oh, we can get ready to go. The kids get out in a couple minutes. So we're right on time with it. We talked about this morning that John the Baptist, all he did was prepare the way of the Lord. With everything going on in our world, I would say this is a certainty, right? We're closer to the Lord returning right this minute than we were at 6 o'clock when the service started. He's coming. Our job is just to prepare the way. Tell people about Christ. Hey, those living wicked lifestyles, they need to know. The people who think they're okay, they need to know. Because the reality is that if you don't know Christ, the wrath of God will abide on you, and it's on them right now. And it will continue. Judgment is coming. And we see that before our eyes. And I'm so thankful as we continue on and we go deeper into these verses here in the book of Romans. We go and we're going to talk about God's wrath and things a little bit more. And then we'll see what Jesus did taking our wrath. So that we don't have to take it.
It's like that song says in Christ alone, the wrath of God, it was satisfied. That's what Jesus did for us. But God's wrath had to be paid. And either Jesus can do it for you, or the wrath of God can abide on you. That's what it comes down to. Father, we thank you for the time we've had in your word tonight. I pray that we take the truths that are found in this passage of Scripture, and I pray that you'd help us live them and apply them to our lives. We love you. We need you. We praise your precious name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.